It's that time of week, the time you've been waiting for. It's time for Goat Gab, a weekly podcast about all things in the dairy goat industry. Sit back and enjoy an hour or so with your hosts, Laura Warren Hughes and Cameron Jedlowski, as we talk about ideas and topics that matter to the dairy goat world. Welcome back, Goat Gabbers. We are so glad to have you join us again for another episode of Goat Gab. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Laura Warren Hughes. And I'm uh, Cameron Jedlowski. And this week we're joined by a very special guest for this week's podcast, Karen Goodchild. Karen, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for inviting me. Karen, do you want to kind of start out by uh, introducing yourself? Tell us about your herd of dairy goats and kind of how you got into the goats? Uh, Sure. I have a herd of goats. Uh, Nigerian dwarf is what we raise. And I, I travel between Oklahoma and Texas, but Texas is where I call home. Um, My, I have an adopted son that is on the autism spectrum. He was not expected to walk or talk. And when he was about four, we realized that he uh, could drink cow milk. So uh, with the price of goat milk, or he could not drink cow milk, but he could drink goat milk. So with the price of goat milk, I decided I'm going to start getting him in 4-H and um, we're going to start showing goats as part of his therapy. And that has led to um, having a herd and we show... In several states, we show in Oklahoma, Kansas, Louisiana, Texas, and um, my son is doing very well. The The goats have, I just can't say enough good things about what they've done for our family, um, but that's, that's how we got into goats, okie dokie, dairy goats. So Karen, one of the first memories that I have of meeting you um, took place when we were in Tucson, you so passionately talked about um, your son and, um, you know, really helping dairy goats to even go that further step of being uh, very open and accepting and um, for, for kids who have different abilities, not just your normal neurotypical kids. And I just thought that was really neat and, and have really tried to notice a lot more. It seems like there's lots of families that have really embraced the dairy goat industry as a way to um, help their kids have some different experiences in life and hopefully enjoy, enjoy showing their dairy goats. Would you say that, that you've noticed that too? So my son, um, he was about seven years old when he learned to, it's called crossing the midline. He, um, he was not able to, when it, it was difficult for him to hang on to a collar of the goat. So we would usually use a lead and he had a problem crossing one hand to the other to go on the other side of the goat. Um, and like I said, he was about seven before he learned how to do that. So that's one thing that dairy goats were able to do that his um, therapists were not able to. Uh, and just, wow. just in general, there have been so many people when the leash law rule came into effect that from a health 
point of view, whether they had back issues or um, knee issues, where they just were not able to bend over for a length of time. And they needed that lead for a health issue. And they shouldn't have to go and ask permission on something that's a hobby or something that they enjoy doing. They shouldn't, hey, am I going to be singled out because I've got a health issue, whether that's autism or um, a health disability? Anybody that needs it or wants it should be able to use that. Well, it, that had to have felt really good when you got that passed. So um, that's that's just pretty awesome. But we're kind of putting the cart before the horse. Cameron, I know that you have been extra busy on your farm. Yeah, you're 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 absolutely right there. We started kidding season, uh, which was great. Um, and we kitted out our first four does. So uh, my wife made the comment to me, which was quite interesting, is when you induce in big groups, you don't have like that escalation time to kind of really um, build up to getting into milking. It's just like, boom, all of a sudden it's there. You know, you go from zero to four real quick. And um, if you're milking, and four isn't a lot, I will tell you that. And we can milk rather quickly. However, it takes a little bit of time to getting used to on that. So um, we, we kitted out four goats this uh, weekend. Um, everybody's fine from my understanding. Um, I'm spending some time on the road this week in Ohio for my job. So my wife has been in charge. Um, dealt with a, a little bit of some uh, – dealt with a ketotic dough afterwards as well. She has since came out of the ketosis state for our glucose meter. So – um, worked through that as well and kind of just getting back into the swing of uh, a full-time goat herder. Does that make sense to this group? Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah. So we spent, we spent some time doing that. Um, we're super prepared as always. I think it was like the last day and we were finally um, had everything we needed and, and had the boxes prepared and such for downstairs. And really also spending time learning a lot as well on our setups, our protocols, what does she like as a protocol, what do I like as a protocol, um, really going through some of those, um, but but really, really, really enjoyable to see those first kids on the ground and, um, you know, kind of the culmination of the hard work. However, I will tell you, as, as I'm sure Karen and Laura knows, that uh, when you see a goat, and she has two buck kids, and you think, man, I just put all this time and money and feed into these two bucks, and they're going to the meat man now. You know, I'm going to tell you a, a a good way to look at that is does milk more with buck kids? Really? That's what I have found. Huh. That's interesting, Laura. Have you found anything like that? I have not, but I want to learn more. Yeah, I'll have to uh, chart. I'll have to chart that because I will say, she the the doe that had twin bucks is probably our heaviest producer right now, but she was also the heaviest producer last year as well. So, um, well, do, that than, do that experiment for us. Yeah, that's yeah, what I've always I, heard that buck that buck kids have a doe produce more. Huh. Huh. Okay, I'm gonna have to look at that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, 
built a really nifty spreadsheet as well that I can measure my wife's ability to ultrasound goats um, for, for personal curiosity as well as potential down the road. So um, we are currently batting a hundred percent on our fetal counts as well. Oh, so that, that's, nice. that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, again, we're only four does deep. So, and we have some goats as well. And what they do in the cow world and how veterinarians are trained is if they don't know something, they'll say it's a two plus. So if they can say two, but maybe it's a third, we're also calculating that into consideration as well. If she calls it a two plus or if she calls it a, a three there. So, um, we're, we're, we're doing, um, some of that as well. So lots of excitement on our farm from kidding season, but I move right along from kidding season into judging season as I judge my first fair of the, or excuse me, my first show of the year, um, uh, for, uh, the judging season here in Florida. So, um, excited about that opportunity and to come down to the great sunshine state. And then again, also leave my wife with the goats alone, uh, for more times. And I'm sure she will appreciate that. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to pay her back. Yes, absolutely. There. And it is fully planned. Uh, additionally, uh, not very often that you um, ultrasound your last goat of the year uh, on the same weekend you kid out your goats. So our last goat is bred. We are thankful for that. As she is quite fat right now. So, yeah, that's all that's all that's happening here. Uh, Karen, what's happening at your place? Well, we started show season in January at the Fort Worth Stock Show and Houston's coming up first week of March. So uh, Texas really, I don't think ever quits the show season. <laughs> we we always show down there. And then for ADGA, I'm over the publicity committee and we are getting ready for World Ag Expo in Tulare. That's coming up next weekend or next Is week. Is that fun? The 12th you- the 14th. Have you done that before, Karen? I have not actually been. I've talked to several people that have. Um, for my husband and I, our work, we we did trade shows for antique furniture in North Carolina. So I'm, I'm familiar with how to coordinate one, but I have not been to this one. It sounds wonderful, but Erin Healy and uh, she's coordinating all of the volunteers and she's over products and has a lot of fun things planned. Well, I hope that's very successful and and uh, it does a good job of showing off showing off our association and and uh, be, being a player at the ag at the ag table there. Right, Stephanie Rovi has uh, she's taken on coordinating that, and she's really wanting to focus on our commercial commercial dairies since a lot of them are based out of California. So it'll get some of those um, commercial herds some recognition and um, hopefully more people will realize and transition over from cattle to dairy goats. Very cool. Boy, that sounds like fun. And it is on my bucket list someday to show um, at, at a show in Texas. It's not a terribly long trip for me. I mean, it, it's long, but I've always thought it would be so much fun to show down there. So um, you know, maybe someday, someday down the road when I get a little more time, that might work out. I put on a show in Norman first weekend in June. 
Oh, yep. We've been to it before. It's a good show. I will welcome you to Oklahoma. (laughs) It's a very, very fun and well-run show. We were there a couple of years ago. That was a lot of fun. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, on our farm, we're, uh, um, I did my first round of vaccinations on my upcoming moms and did some bikini clips and, um, we've got babies coming in about, uh, about a month. So that's kind of fun. And, uh, got some more hay. So, um, I realized, uh, it's really nice. We had some goat friends over Sunday, just, to, just a few to just catch up before breeding season. And, um, uh, one of my friends brought me 30 more bales of beautiful third cut alfalfa. So, um, everybody helped unload the hay. That was fun. Those and, are nice uh, friends to have. That, very much so. And, you know, I realized that I'm really not that insane. I, please don't try to prove me otherwise, but, um, I'm not the only one who gets this really good feeling standing there looking at a barn full of hay. It just gives me the good vibes. So that was kind of fun. And, um, my oldest daughter came up with a new card game that we played. Um, you all have probably seen the game cards against humanity in the, in the grocery store, right. Or in the, you know, at at a game store. I've never, I've never played it, but um, Elizabeth made a game that she called goats against breeders. And it's like cards against humanity goat version. So we sat and played that in the afternoon and it was a lot of fun. That sounds like, uh, that sounds like something that, you need to put on a raffle table at a goat show. Hey, well, she's sitting here nodding her head. So we decided we need to come up with more cards to go with it, but it was a lot of fun. So we had, we had a good time with that. That uh, might, that might be a new goat show, a new goat show game. There's not enough goat games. I have to say. <laughs> I would agree. I, I would agree. Karen, uh, Laura got hay and I got hay, but do you struggle down there in Texas to find good quality hay? Yes. Yeah. It's a, uh, I'm feeding alfalfa pellets right now because I can't find alfalfa hay. I have, um, I have grass hay, but no alfalfa that's good. I know Christina Anderson, she has a great dairy in Oklahoma and she's feeding chafe hay. Um, cause she's having problems with, with alfalfa as well. Just a, a, a drought. It's, it's been raining for several weeks. So, um, hopefully, hopefully it won't be so bad this year. Well, my boss is from Texas and she's been complaining about the freeze that's been happening there, <laughs> which apparently is a big right. deal, but up, but up here it's, it's nothing. It's just a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it's if if you have to wear a coat in Texas, it's pretty cold. Well, I, I won't tell you, Cameron. It was forty-seven degrees here today, and just beautiful. So, yeah, it's it's sweatshirt weather here in Ohio, and it's pretty nice at home as well. My wife did a lot of work outside again. I'm thankful that she is there, and I'm thankful that she is taking on the responsibility while I am out gallivanting the countryside for my professional career. So, I'm I'm really thankful for that. But I know that. Uh, when I get back, there's hooves to trim and goats to ultrasound and goats to milk and, and all sorts of good stuff waiting for me at home. And, and I'm thankful for that. Cameron, do we have anything going on with ADGA that we need to, to keep in mind? 
Yeah, a couple things here. Please, please, please do not forget to judge for your national or cast your ballots for the national show judges, even if you are not going. And you probably think, well, how is this going to affect me? It's really, really important that we understand that when you cast that vote for that national show judge, you're also selecting the people that are going to be influencing the breed for the next year, two years, three, five, ten years as well. So we want to make sure that the members are able to help make the best decision possible for the people that will be influencing those breeds there. So even if you're not attending the Adga National Show, it is so critical that you get that vote in for uh, the National Show judges. Don't you agree, Laura? Oh, yeah. Very definitely. Definitely. So that's that's number one there. Number two, there is a proposed constitutional um, bylaw as well that has come out. Please remember that those have to be postmarked or faxed. They cannot go through the Adga Support Network. There are specific language within the guidebook. I saw a whole slew of people complaining about this on Facebook, about how they can't send it in via email. Well, there's specific language and protocols that Adga has to follow, and it has to be submitted or postmarked or faxed by 12-13-2023. Yeah, and that's just really important. And if you have questions about it, um, reach out to your directors and ask them, you know, what they think about it and why they feel that's important. And, um, you know, this is about the future of ADGA and the way that we're governed and so forth. So just um, learn as much as you can. Make make good decisions and and please do vote. You can't say that you, um, you know, it's hard to complain about something if you don't take the time to vote for or against it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Can we go ahead and jump on to our main topic for this week? Yeah, I think so. Karen, are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, Cameron and I kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, Breed clubs are something that most people who have dairy goats probably know are around. And some breed clubs are a lot more active and do a lot more than other breed clubs. But um, Do the three of us, maybe with the exception of the Nigerian dwarfs, but Cameron, would you say in a lot of ways, breed clubs are are really kind of declining from what they were, let's say maybe 20 or 20 years ago or so. Absolutely there. I think with the, uh, so the, the UCN, the United Caprine news um, used to put out all of the breed club information. Every breed would have a specific month they would be featured in there and there was a lot of good information posted through there with the ad or with the decrease in the UCN and, and Jeff Klein not putting that information out anymore um, there I, I think there's been less attraction for breed clubs as well however there has been one breed club that I have noticed through social media and and other efforts as well there that has really you know I, I think increased membership over time And I think in part, and again, I don't want to give all the credit to Karen, but I will give some credit to Karen. She does a very, very good job with the Nigerian Dwarf Breed Club. So I thought it would be interesting to bring her on and talk about kind of the role of breed clubs as as kind of a model breed club here for the industry, in my opinion. Well, thank you for for saying that. Yeah, we've we've worked very hard to um, make our breed club relevant. And, um, it's where the registry should look if there's something going on with a specific breed, they should defer to the breed club and, and ask their opinion on things. So that's why it's really important for people to, 
be a member of a breed club. You can want your registry to make certain guidelines or standards, but if you're not part of the breed club, it's really hard. Um, it's really hard for a single individual voice to be heard. It's a lot more powerful if you have a large breed club, you know, three or 400 members backing that voice. So I think it's really important, maybe for especially people who are newer to dairy goats to realize that when we talk about a breed club, for the most part, it's not a registry. So, so it's, it's almost like um, a fan club for that breed versus something that takes care of registration papers and pedigrees and things like that. Would you agree with that description? Yeah, it's really a liaison between the registry and the members. And it's a way for, I know our breed club, it's a way for us to get information to members, such as there's the voting ballots or um, just information that comes out like the DNA at the ADGA that's been pushed back a year. We we disseminated that to our members so they would be aware of that. Um, but it is a way to network and be social with those breeders that have the same interest if, of yours, if that makes sense. I mean, we're all in the dairy goat industry, but you know, who, who are you, who are you following or who are you, um, what bucks are you looking at or what traits are you, are you wanting to improve? Those are the kind of things that, um, the people in your breed, it's somebody that you can have a conversation with and they know those, those lines that you're talking about. Right. Because while I, you know, I can certainly admire and think a beautiful Nigerian is a beautiful Nigerian, you start talking bucks with me and I get that glazed look. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> which is fine. I can still tell you you have beautiful goats, but, um, you know, for sure, somebody who shares that passion that you do for the breed, you're going to have a lot more productive discussion with them than you are with me. Right. And so, I, I will say with, uh, with ADGA last year in particular, because I, I feel the breed clubs are important and they should be important. Um, one of the things we did for Dairy Goat Week is the publicity. We reached out to every breed club and asked them, why should somebody own an Alpine? Why should somebody own a Guernsey? Why should somebody own a La Mancha? And we got information back directly from the breed club. I mean, the, the registry could put that information together, but we wanted to know from the breed club, why is your breed the one somebody should choose? And you got really cool pictures and personal stories with it too. That I loved that feature. I thought that was great. I hope you're going to do that again this year. Thank you. Yeah. So the kind of baseline here, what Karen in your mind, and then Laura, I'll ask you the same question. What in your mind is a breed club um, and how would you define what a breed club is? Um, I see it as a place. Registries can get quite large and sometimes intimidating or confusing. And I know with our breed club, um, it's a 
place that you can ask. There's no stupid question. You can ask, how do I, uh, how do I register a goat? How do I start on milk test? How do I, and in the registry, those type of questions, um, they don't get answered as much or there's some people that seem to be judgmental with new, newer breeder questions. So I feel the breed clubs are a way to mentor those new breeders. So they want to show or they want to appraise or they want to become a milk test. Um, just encouraging them to, to learn and do more. If that makes sense. Makes perfect sense to me. And Laura, what about you? I know you've served on the uh, Alpine International Club um, board as well there. So what about you? What do you see a breed club as? Um, I would agree with what Karen said. I would also take it another way too. And, and Karen touched on this earlier that that if, if changes, let's say, in the um, breed standard are being considered by your registry, um, the breed club is is the one who should really stand behind that or say uh, you need to consider this and make changes. And um, you know, I think in the past there have been times when changes have been made to breed standards or to herd books. You know, allowing breed ups or open herd books or uh, transfer from one herd book to another. That those decisions have been made without the input of the breed club. And that hasn't gone well. And, and people are still pretty salty about that years and years later. Um, so I feel like that it's really important that those breed clubs really liaison with that registry to help their members have that voice to say, no, we want this. And and I, I will go back to it makes a difference if your breed club has 30 members or 400 members. When you have 400 members saying, that's a bad idea. The board of directors, they, they listen to that. So that's another reason it's important to join your breed club, not when you want to change, but just support your breed club always. It's, it's a very inexpensive way to support your breed. Karen, I will ask here from a recently there were changes to the DHR um, information as it pertains to milk stars for Nigerian dwarfs. Was the breed club, to your knowledge, talked to from the board of directors and the advocate committees for that decision? The breed club was not, but I know that we had several breeders on that committee. So I think they they let our, our information be known. But to my knowledge, the breed club was not, was not asked. Okay. I was just kind of curious on those changes there on that. Has it been discussed in your breed club that they wish that they had been asked? There has been some discussion. Um, we have not made, we have not made a formal, a formal poll of members yet. Um, I know there's several things that we are considering, but we just want to see, okay, let's see how this year works out. Um, I will say personally, not from the breed club, but uh, there are several standard breeds that, to my knowledge, have the same criteria. 
And it would be nice if they're going to single out Nigerians that they single out every breed. For instance, does the Toggenberg and the Alpine and the Nubian all have the same butterfat average, for example? I see. It, it, saying that, you know, we all know that Nubians give higher butterfat, so should there should it be raised for them as well? I see what you're Correct. saying. Yeah. 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 Just something to think about. Yeah. Just, well, yeah. And, no, I'm not trying to stir the pot or anything. I was just oh, genuinely no. curious. <laughs> so no, that is just that is just my my observation, not necessarily coming from the breed club, but if if we're going to break out Nigerians, would it also be an idea to break out each standard breed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Of course, then that opens the whole can of worms about what do you do for experimentals that are across of two breeds. And but we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, right? Yeah, we'll, I, we'll be here all night. Jump, jumping back to breed clubs, though, just again for our listeners, um, there are breed clubs for Nubians. That's the International Nubian Breeders Association, Alpines International, National Salmon Breeders Association, National Toggenberg Club, American La Mancha Breeders Association. Um, Oberhasley Breeders of America, and is there a second one, Cameron? There is. I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, but there there right. is a whole old faction of Oberhasley Breeders, and if we find that out, we'll try to put it in the show notes for listeners on that. And then, of course, International Sable Breeders Association, the Guernsey Goat Breeders of America, and then um, one of the newer clubs is um, Inner. It, it's the the um, experimental. experimental one, and I don't know how they pronounce that. So, um, anyway, we always called it the Nergdega, but I don't think that's right. So, um, <laughs> if somebody wants to um, correct us on that, that would be great. And then, um, are there two Nigerian clubs, Karen? A N D D A, American Nigerian Dwarf Dairy. Association. Okay, so there's just one. Uh, for some reason, I thought there was another one. So okay. And does the A N D G A A N D D G A or D G A? A N D D A. D oh D D A. Okay. Okay. No 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 goat. Okay, no goat. Okay. So um, and do you guys not only because your breed is so um, I'm not gonna say interesting. I want to say um. <laughs> multifaceted in its show wins and its registries that it's accepted in. Do you guys work with other registries beyond ADGA? Yes. Uh, we represent Nigerian dwarf in all multi-breed registries, ADGA, AGS, and then the Canadian goat association. Gotcha. So you don't work with TMGR or MDGA. No, because they, you know, I, I, I'm just told that we work with the registries that have standard multi-breeds and those are, have, um, a cross, a cross with Nigerians, which we don't accept. We don't accept them. 
So in addition to being a voice for um, changes that the breed club would like to see happen, like on the scorecard or um, other rules that apply specifically to that breed, what are some other uh, visible things that breed clubs do, Karen? Well, one of the, one of the perks have been perks of membership for ANDDA is our newsletter. We have a monthly newsletter that comes out that's anywhere between 10 and 14 pages. Um, And I think that's popular because it is a way for us to educate our members, not only about dairy goats, but just a variety of topics, Um, different vaccines. Uh, I know on our youth page, we've had one on hooking up a trailer. the showmanship questions. So I think a newsletter and I, I believe that most breed clubs send out something, either a social media page or um, a regular, regular mailer. I'm not sure, but I think so. So is your um, newsletter a paper newsletter or is it an electronic newsletter? We put ours because of the size of it. Um, we put ours to membership monthly and then every quarter we upload that to our website so anybody can read it. Very cool. Yeah, we have a, very cool. We have um, February, our February issue is really um, popular because we do an annual drawing. We've got, I don't know, I think 20 sponsors that have donated something. And then all day on Valentine's Day, we pick a member from our, from who's paid to win a prize. Like microchip ID system. That is so cool. Well, it has an ulterior purpose. Um, We have a membership drive that starts in September. So we have a lower a discounted rate it's ten dollars if you sign up for the coming year between september and december and we also give away a gestation calendar with that membership well if you haven't renewed or joined by january 1st we give you one month and then we take you off the private member only pages well in an effort to get those people back and pay dues, we have the Valentine raffle. And a lot of people join just for the raffle. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. What a neat thing. And I, I've seen some of the prizes, Karen, that you guys offer. And they're like, not just not just a, a little something, which is still great, but they are a big deal. Right, prizes. microchip ID. Gift certificates system. to Caprine Supply. And right, like microchip that. ID system. Two, yeah, uh, that would be two just microchip really readers. Cool. Um, I'm going completely blank now on what all prizes we have. Uh, we've got an LED collar from a vet. Um, we've got member donated prizes. Aries Niger- uh, Nigerian dwarf. They donated a embroidered jean jacket, for example, which is always a popular prize. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I know something else too, that um, 
is, is a very visible thing that breed clubs do. And that's um, their specialty shows in all, I, I think all of the breed clubs uh, do sponsor specialties. I believe you're right. So you want to talk a little bit about that, Karen? Most of the breed clubs that I've seen that we've applied for, for the show I helped put on in Oklahoma, they usually have an October deadline. And some some breed clubs are more hard and fast on that than others, that if you don't apply by a certain date, they don't award them. Um, I know a lot of breed clubs also require that you can't have back-to-back unless no one's applied for it. Um, but it's a it's an opportunity. Right. And when they're talking back-to-back. I'm sorry. No, go uh, ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say, um, when they're talking back to back, they mean like you're like, like the heart of Oklahoma club can't have it more than two, you know, back to back years there. Um, and they usually try to give one specialty per ADGA district, right? Correct. I don't know about the other breed clubs, but I do know that, uh, ANDDA, we offer a specialty show for both AGS and ADGA. So for example, our, our show is actually, our our show is the Heartland slash Arbuckle. And last year we had the AGS specialty show for district three. So technically we could apply this year for the ADGA specialty show for district five. I don't know if other breed clubs very cool recognize yeah, and that's, that. Do you? I yeah, I in my experience with other breed clubs, and that's been um um Alpines International, um I'm not aware of AGS specialties because I, I, I really feel like AGS is more of they have a, a bigger following in the Nigerian breed than what they do with um other breeds. But um, I do know that specialty shows um, are, are a lot of fun. And, and for our listeners that don't know what a specialty show is, it's supported by the breed club. So that usually means that they have um, their own rosettes, their own type of awards. Um, some breed clubs have special awards for youth, like like um, an outstanding youth exhibitor New- Nubian or youth does breeder that. for that particular breed. Yeah, that. You yeah, do the that? Nubian yeah. have it, and, and I know the other ones do too. And that's yeah, cool. the Nubian has a beautiful rosette for the youth. Yeah, I think um, the recorded grade one does too, um, or a medal or something. But it's 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 a lot of fun to see those special prizes that come out, um, and then also there's additional publicity because typically your um, as part of being selected for having that specialty show, your club is asked to provide pictures of your winners and class results. And those get published in newsletters. So, so if you choose to attend a specialty show for your breed and you're the winner, that can give you extra um, advertising, extra publicity for your breeding program. So, um, and another thing too, traditionally when a show sponsors a specialty they're doing that because uh, the people in that district really try to come out and support that specialty. And I, 
I would say that in some cases, you don't see that as much as maybe what you did 15 years ago. It used to be a really big deal to be at your specialty. I'd like to see that happen again, because we all know that that um, there are some shows where you can get a leg because you have 10 animals, and there are other shows where you go, and that leg is over 50-some animals for your breed. And that's, you know, we all know that that's a little bit more bragging rights and, and gives you a little bit more of a perspective on on your breeding program. So um, those specialty show wins traditionally have been looked at as a big deal. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's sad when you look and, and there's no specialty show in a district. I, I would, I, I would encourage if you, uh, if you right. host a show to apply for um, at least one specialty. And it does take a little bit of extra time because most often you also have at least some group classes. Dam and Daughter, uh, Dairy Herd, whatever you choose to have. So that's just another opportunity to show that you have consistency in your herd. It is. And I will also say, as a as a breeder who likes to watch other breeds, um, some of my some of the standout shows in my mind when I think about specialty shows of the past, um, Karen down at um, your show in Norman, I believe a couple of years ago, you guys had the Nigerian specialty. And I think, I think there were like 80 milking does, 70 milking does. It was unbelievable. Am I remembering that correctly? (laughs) It was like a little mini national show. It it was, it was amazing. I mean, it was, you know, not that not that Nigerians ever have problems with numbers. Well, our show, <laughs> but this was really exceptional, and the quality was so. Deep. Our show was. We've been putting a Heartland Nigerian Dwarf Goat Association just by the name. Um, we started out with just a Nigerian show twenty plus years ago, so we've been hosting that show for quite a long time, and then um, we morphed into having an Aubrey club because Amy called me up one day and said, Hey, would you consider putting on AGS nationals? And I let her know that we only knew how to do Nigerians. Um, But we put it on one year and it was very well attended. So we've partnered with the Arbuckle group um, to host an all breed Doe and Buck show. And it's, we have people come from several different states, so it, it's a well-attended show. And not only for Nigerians, but so, a lot of breeds. Well, Norman's had a show for a very long time, I know that. So that's, that's a good, it's a good venue and a good place to get to for shows, oh, thank for you. sure. Um, another thing that I think maybe our listeners might be interested in knowing about is the all American contest that most breeds have. And, and I know that Nubians and Alpines have them and togs and sables and sonnens. I'm guessing that you guys do as well in the Nigeria. We've had them before. I know that we are revamping some of our programs and getting more volunteers in. Um, and the all American is one that we are planning on doing. I'm hoping this year. We've we've had a little kerfuffle. Well, for our listeners that aren't familiar, oh, we, okay. we, our our breed club. I will say, um, for our listeners. Oh, go ahead. No, please go ahead, Karen. Well, with the change with um, 
the change in the linear appraisal not measuring and some of our people not electing to have a milk test that does not require a, a verification test. We've had, I know, a lot of discussion on how we can award some of our some of our awards, like our Juju Awards, which is a milk award. How do we how do we award that when someone doesn't have a verification test that has the height requirement, for example? So um, I know that on all of our awards that we're this year is challenging as we try to um, come up with ways to recognize these herds that are putting in the work to prove their animals and make sure that they get the recognition they deserve. Oh, very interesting. Um, <clears throat> All American for our listeners that aren't familiar with it um, is kind of uh, for lack of a better description um, an um a show, uh, a contest recognizing animals in each of the different age groups, starting out with kids, going all the way up through aged milking does, and then um, through bucks. And most of the time you have the requirement that you have to have been a class winner at least one time. Um, the, the contest uh, requires pictures of your entered animal from various different um Views such as a front on view, a from behind view, a side view, and an over the top view so that, you know, they can see over the top of the animal, usually taken from the back. Um, and then they want to know the animal's show record for the year. Those pictures have to be taken in the year that you're applying for. And then um, a judge or a team of judges decide taking all these entries from all across the country and they decide who the all American and who the reserve all American winner is for each of those age groups. And then many breed clubs also pick an overall, um, um, doe, a senior doe and overall junior doe and an overall buck as well. So again, it's kind of bragging rights, but it's also kind of fun. You know, when you can say, yes, I had the 1998 all American Alpine three-year-old or whatever. It's, it's kind of fun to have those bragging rights. And again, um, most of the time in order to enter, you have to be a member of your um, specialty breed club in order to right. do that. And it's important to uh, just like for your website, it's important to have good photos, show off that animal. Oh, yes. Yes. So, so, you know, when you're at a show and you know that that doe is, is looking exceptionally amazing that day, just go ahead and take those multi-angle pictures just in case down the road, you might want to go ahead and um, apply for all American because usually those entries are due um, in the late fall or winter, depending on your breed club at a time that the animal's probably not looking their best and you don't want to go get pictures of them as a shaggy dry doe, <laughs> at least where I live. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's when I usually have. So another thing that breed clubs are really important. That's Go when ahead. I usually have time to take photos is when they're shaggy and dry. Right. And you think, oh, maybe I can still capture how beautiful they were when they were blooming, but you no. never can. 
Another thing that breed clubs are important for um, is breed history. And um, I know lots of breed clubs have collected pictures and have files and files and files of pictures for uh, many years documenting that breed's history and, and uh, you know, with pictures of national champions all the way back into the 50s. And that's always kind of fun to see. And I'm guessing that that's been especially important with the Nigerian um, club since you're one of the newer breeds. Yes. It's... Um... We've got a lot of people that said they're going to write a book about it. And I, I wish someone would just to see how far we've come in such a short amount of time. I think the first national show that a Nigerian was in was in the 80s in Texas. I think it was in an AGS show. Um, I haven't seen the first... ADGA champion, but we have come just so far in a short amount of time. And it's, I, I have the some old dairy journals that I look through and just see all of the breeds, how far they've come in just a short amount of time as, as far as structure and milkability. Some of these animals that have had ads. Yeah, it's kind of they they have ads put in and you think that's your best oh. <laughs> I hate to say that, but right. And 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 when you see those animals and you think, wow, that animal that animal is in the pedigree of this current day animal six times, well it makes sense why maybe that trait pops through right. sometimes. And and you know you can see it it makes you feel good on the one hand what um, consistent paying attention to breeding principles has has been able to accomplish. And and Karen, I would agree. I would say in the Nigerian breed, especially, um, wow, they've come so far so fast. Well, for them to be named best in show on a pretty consistent basis, that that says a lot. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and the breeders are continuing to work on things that need to be worked out in the breed, just like all good breeders do, no matter what your breed is. There's, there's no perfect animal. So some are darn close and get closer all the time, but there's no perfect right. animal. But researching pedigrees and, and um, having that um, either linear appraisal, appraisal or classification, using that as a basis of, okay, I need to... I need to work on rear udder height. I need to work on shoulder assembly. Um, using that information to make better breeding decisions. It kind of all ties together. And I think... I, I, it I think and, and I would say, again, looking at... I just think the Nigerian breeders are... are we're helping to educate them. Of, there's more than just mating to full blood Nigerian goats. There's more to it than that. And I think, I think a lot of these new breeders are um, becoming educated on the tools available to them. Which is, which is very important and kind of segues into nicely um, some of the work that I know that um, the Nigerian breed club is, has done a lot with, and that is supporting youth 
and you guys um, really have some unique programs that do that. Would you like to talk about that a little bit, Karen? We started, um, we're, Melanie is overseeing that this year, and I really hope to get this off the ground, Um, but we do have a unique youth program where we recognize youth with their uh, Juju Awards, the Milk Awards. We are recognizing them in the show ring, Um, and in our newsletter, the second page of our newsletter every month has something specifically for youth or 4-H or FFA, um, just to celebrate them and help them come up with uh, ways they can promote dairy goats and their their impact in agriculture. Well, very but we, good. We also, and, and you also do things with like mentoring too, right? right? And we... Um, we sponsor an award at the ADGA National Show for Youth. I think the la- last year we gave away um, clippers and a a box to keep them in. And the year before it was a tack box. So we really celebrate youth at our national shows as well. But we do have a great mentor program. We have ambassadors that go out and at shows encourage other youth, not just ANDDA, but all youth. They are there to uh, represent the Nigerian dwarf breed. Very good. Very good. That's pretty. That's that's pretty amazing. So um, uh, one question that uh, we kind of came up with in thinking about this and, and probably a good way to kind of wrap up our focus on breed clubs. Um, you know, people are busy and their time is busy. Um, why do you feel like that, that breed club is relevant in this busy world? You know, when people are, are asked to, you know, be part of their, their registry association and volunteer with that when they're probably asked to be part of their local breed club that puts on their show and and needs to help with that. A specialty or a breed club can seem like just one more thing that you have to pay dues for and have to have to feel guilty for not volunteering for. But why would you say that that's an important thing, Karen? I can see where there might be a concern if you have several different breeds of I've got a I've got to pay dues for every breed. I can see where that would be a concern, but especially just one breed, it is usually a very low fee. I know in our breed club, in the Nigerian breed club, it's only $10 if you read, if you sign up between September and December, plus you get a free gestation calendar. Um, otherwise, it's $15. And that is a very inexpensive cost for, I believe, the value. And our value for our specific breed club is mentorship, education. We really want to educate the breeders so they make better breeding decisions. Um, we have an opportunity above and beyond the registries 
for getting your herd name out there and getting recognized for your accomplishments, whether that is on our on our website and on our social media pages, you can send in if you've won best in show. That is a great accomplishment, no matter what breed you have. So it's it's being recognized on one hand, and on the other hand, if there is something that the registry is doing that may impact your breed club, you have a larger voice if you have, say, 450 people that says the same thing. That that means something when you go to the board of directors and say, you know, we really think you need to reconsider that. So to already be a member okay. instead of just being a voice in a registry, um, that also sends a powerful message. Well, good or bad of, you know, hey, we want the size of the spot to be larger on a specific breed or whatever. Um, it it matters when you've got an entire collective coming forward to say, we would like this to be considered. I think those are all great reasons there. And, you know, it is fun to to have a forum and a way to just chat with people who share that intense passion that you personally have for a breed that's really important to you too, right? You can you can poke fun at yourselves in a way that you might not be able to do in a mixed group of, of other breeders right. and um, just have a lot of fun with it that way, I think, too. And I, I, I cannot stress the importance of education. There's a lot of people that buy goats and for some reason don't have a mentor and they don't really know how to go about going to a show or signing up for linear appraisal or um, just something as simple as, do I need a tattoo? How do I fill out a, a health certificate? My vet wants to put a tag in my goat's ear. Those are the kind of things that, yeah, you can go on Facebook and ask those questions. But the people in your breed club have probably already been there and done that. And you get an educated answer from people that are really wanting to help you succeed. And you don't feel, I, I don't know, to me, it's a little intimidating when you ask something on Facebook and you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of opinions that jump down your throat. Um, it's almost like asking a question of family, though, when you do it in your breed club, because, you know, <laughs> there are people that hopefully know and love you or at least accepting of you because, you know, you're a new person in their breed. So I totally, totally feel that. Well, and if you just ask a general question, it may be someone that, doesn't even have registered goats. Oh, yeah, you need to put a tag in that ear. You have no idea what experience that person has. Very true. Very true. So listeners, we've talked a lot about the Nigerian Dwarf Association because that's where Karen Karen's um, uh, talents lie mostly. But um, again, most every breed has their own um, association. Cameron, are you part of 
ones outside of Alpines, I'm guessing that you're probably um, f- active with or familiar with the Sables and the Togs as well. Yep. So we're, we're fairly at work. My wife was a member of the Toggenbergs and I have been a member. I would not say I'm a deuce paying member of the Sable for this year. Just didn't get my dues paid in time. Um, but I, but I have been in the past. So um, they're really easy to find these breed clubs, especially online search, um, you know, Sable breed club or, or X, Y, Z breed goat club. And you can find these really available on the internet on Facebook as well. And they've got, different communities along those lines. Yeah. So Karen, if our listeners want to specifically learn more about um, the Nigerian breed club, where would they go online to learn more about it? Well, our, our website is www.andda.org. And we have just a genius webmaster. She's got a blog and a, forum and forms and jot forms and it's just so easy to navigate and then online we are the american nigerian dwarf dairy goat association we have a public page that we have lots and lots of people that follow and then we have a member only page that you have to be a dues paying member to join oh very good and Karen, if the listeners want to find a little bit more about your own herd and your type of goats that you raise, where could they find you on the internet? I'm at okdoek.com, okie dokie, on Facebook, and and that's my web address. Awesome. Well, thank you so much in spending some time with us this week and, and working through um, some of the always um, ever-changing endeavors of podcasting. <laughs> Technical difficulties <laughs> always make it fun. <laughs> thank you for having me. And I, I would encourage everyone to touch base with their breed club. And if it's, they always need volunteers, just like the registry. Um, see it find a need and and volunteer and make your breed club really strong and a place that people want to join to bring about change for the better for your breed cameron if people want to find us on social media or other ways how can they find goat gab yeah, you can find us on the Facebook Goat Gab. Uh, we got a website that's newly uh, launched as well. Not necessarily always up to date. Um, working towards that kind of ne- as a next big project, but getting that fully launched. Also, information on the circuit is on there as well. Um, so feel free to look at that. Take a look at that. Uh, you can find us on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere where you get your podcasts. Um, and Laura, uh, have a great week. Yes. Everybody, Karen and Cameron, you guys have a great week. And to our listeners, again, thank you for being part of our podcast. And we appreciate your patience this week. And we will see you next week on the next episode of Goat Gab.